But you guys were a, a pivotal pillar in that business growing to as large as it was. If you don't mind me asking, at the time, what was the, the roundabout dollar amount that hit for you in, in the 20s? I mean, I, I made a couple hundred thousand dollars on it. It wasn't like life changing, but I was able to take that money and put it to business school. But hold on, hold on. Yeah. That is life changing. It was, that is life changing right, in your but 20s. I still, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I still had to work. Of it wasn't, course. Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, to be able to now yeah. move forward yeah. in what you want to do with no worry of I got to go take on all this debt. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you both. Yeah. That's well, a really cool story. Dad said, well, Dad said, put it all in that. Put it yeah. into the ESA. But it's also like in med tech, getting on the crest of the wave yeah. of technology versus the crash of yeah. the wave is really important. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not going to be 100% in, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Just be yourself. Yeah. And, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. <laughs> Carla, Mia, thank you for coming to the pit. Thanks for having thank us, you. Ryan. This is so fun. This is awesome. Thank you to Craig and Basil for connecting us. Um, really excited to have you guys both. Um, you guys are twins. Yeah, we are. Very similar, <laughs> but also very different in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, you come from South Jersey. This show is about the locals mm. and Your your yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't talk about that. Uh, I'm a Yankees fan. Carla. We're South Jersey. <laughs> but go Phillies and kudos <laughs> to them for what they have going on right now. Um, you guys both have taken similar paths at times in your life and then also gone separate ways and both have had tremendous success um, as wives, moms, and women who are powerful in business. And I'm excited to have you at the pit. For your viewers and friends who may watch this, I was a guy that wasn't that fortunate to be a great student in school. I didn't love college. I was kicked out at a young, young age, mm. just immature. I wasn't malicious, I just didn't like school, didn't want to be there, I was mm. hyper. And I always said, as I was coming up, not a lot of people wanted to help me, right? It was like, ah, you, don't, you don't have a huge network of people, or you're not this, or you're mm -hmm. not that. I said, when I have a couple shekels, I'm gonna turn around and help the next person. And I could see yeah. in both of you, with your foundation, the teams that you build, you guys are doing that in your communities, in your organizations. And again, thank you for coming here. So cheers once again. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. So South Jersey, right? Yeah. So Joe. So Joe. Exit so four Joe. and a half. So we have the curly hair. Philly. Are the Eagles ball. fans too? Yes. Well, I mean, we don't really know much about football. They're also, they're, they're killing it too. <laughs> the Flyers, the yeah. Phillies, and the Eagles. We grew up all Philly's around Philly's got a lot that. going on. A lot going on. Not Voorhees, last night. Voorhees East High School. East Eastern, Eastern, Eastern High School. High School. Yep. And then from there, you guys went into uh, Villanova. We went to Villanova. Mm -hmm. Right, in Philly as well. She did not want to go to school with me. I wanted to go with her. I did not want to go to school with Mia. <laughs> I did How not. Come? How come? Well, you wanted to go West Coast, as far away possible as you no, could get. I wanted to go to school with you, and she was did like, not. did not want to go with me. And then we happened to go to a party together at University of Maryland, and I remember her looking around, and there were so many people, and she was like, Okay, we'll go to school together. <laughs> I don't remember it like that. I totally remember that. I remember sitting she in the chapel lonely. at Villanova yeah. and being like, I have found my home. <laughs> you were like, It yeah, was the no. chapel? I love the church. Villanova was a special place. Great yeah. basketball team. But we both team. traveled abroad, too, though. We both yeah. did. You didn't travel abroad. Well, you went to D.C. <laughs> that was my abroad. I was a White House. I went to London. Oh, really? Yes. Under with with Monica. With Monica? I worked with Monica Lewinsky oh, in the Clinton. Cool. Yep, administration. Interesting times. Interesting times. Yeah. Yeah. My cool. dad has a line. He always says, 
I'm a little embarrassed. My daughter Carla worked for Bill Clinton for seven months and never got hit on by the president. <laughs> what did you do there exactly? What were I, you doing? So, the so backstory was I thought I wanted to be Connie Chung and yeah. be on TV. Mm-hmm. And I Connie Chung killed it. Connie Chung, yeah, Carla Chung. I thought it was like a natural progression. And uh, I got down, and I worked actually at America's Most Wanted, if you remember. Yeah. That show. Absolutely. Worked with John Walsh, and I absolutely hated it. It was terrible. Really? They put me in the missing children section. And I had to follow sad up. as hell. It was awful. And I, you know, I was uh, 20 years old. And I remember first day, my boss put a stack of uh, papers on my desk and said, your job is to follow up on the missing children that, you know, have come over across the hotline the night before. So I, you know, call the first one. I say, hi, Mrs. Smith, I'm calling to follow up on your son, Jimmy. You know, I'm from America's Most Wanted. And she broke down in tears and she said, you're, you know, about 10 hours too late. He was found dead in the dumpster. Wow. And I said, how are you doing? Are you okay? And then I quickly realized that it wasn't for me because I wanted to know how are you doing? And my boss was like, you need to know the who's, the what's, the where's, the when's. Yeah. So then there was a position open at the White House and I moved over to the social secretary's office and got to help the president and Mrs. Clinton put together big parties for the cabinet and um, social dinners. Yeah. That was amazing. That was a great experience though. Yeah. Probably learned a ton. Learned a ton. Quickly get thrown into the fire. Mm -hmm. I did. It was fantastic. And at the time, what were you doing, Mia? I was in college. Uh, we, I forget what year we, you went. It Sophomore was junior year. Junior year. And then I ended up going to London for a semester. So she was gone for a semester. And then when she came back, I left and I went to London. Studied in London. How did you love London? I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I just remember it was the first time I was out of the country. And it was just, you know, opened up my eyes, made me realize how much I wanted to live in a city when I eventually left, you know, graduated from college. You and were in a city in Philly. What's that? You were in a city in Philly. Yes. Yeah, we were the suburbs of Philly, but we went into Philly quite a bit as Villanova students. But I loved, I loved London. I loved, like, the ability to be able to go travel to all of Europe, you know, Quickly. having a home base. Yeah. I was telling you, my wife yeah. studied abroad in Florence, yeah. and that's what they did. I mean, they yeah. were everywhere. They were able to pepper, obviously, Italy pretty quick and, yeah. and the rest of Europe, um, all via train, really. Yeah. yeah. Or hop on a quick best. flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you guys studying in college? Were you both in the same... Yeah, Undergrad we or? were we were communications and business. Um, business right from the get go. Yeah, right from the yeah. from the get go. So major, you know, major in communications, arts. very general liberal arts, and then minor was business. And we had a quick conversation prior to yeah. hopping on here. You said your father knew quickly at a young age, at like four or five, that you both would be in some type of sales. <laughs> yeah, well, I have the, I probably have the memory. So yeah, I'll tell my the story. Like so we, I remember when we were five years old, we were sitting down at breakfast and I think he was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> he smoked. And he said, you know, what do you girls want to do when you grow up? And I remember saying, I want to be a teacher. And Mia always had this unhealthy obsession with death. And she said, I want to be a pathologist. <laughs> and my dad was like, oh, you girls are destined for sales. Yeah. Because he had been at Xerox. I mean, at that point, you know, I don't even remember how many years, but it was 40 years at the end of his career when he eventually retired. And he won like every sales contest. He, 23 President's he had Clubs. The most win- he had the winningest He's record legend. as a <laughs> Xerox is, is a great company. Yeah. I mean, they produce rock star mm-hmm. sales individuals. Oh, yeah. Great rock training star. program. They're rec- yeah, they're recruited. Yeah. Throughout so many different industries, yeah. uh, you know, I know in the finance space, there's a ton of guys yeah. that came from Xerox. I yeah. know in the healthcare space as well. Yeah, that's awesome that your dad was kind of like, 
helping you guys see that at a young age that, you know, this is something I can do and, mm -hmm. and pumping that into you. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, but I think we knew we didn't want to sell copy machines. No. <laughs> we were like, you know what, Dad, sales, okay. Yeah, I think we have a, both of us have a passion for helping people live yeah. healthier lives. Yes. And that's what brought us into healthcare. Yeah. So I don't want to go to healthcare yet. Yeah. Okay. But you guys finish up Villanova. Do you go your separate ways at that point? Well, same but different. We went. We both decided to get into pharmaceuticals, and I chose Merck, and she chose Eli Lilly. So went into pharmaceutical sales right out of college, but different companies. Different companies. And what were you guys doing at the time? What were the what the, the product you were selling or working with? So I um, I went into the women's health division, and I sold Prozac, which mm -hmm. we I had a passion for. Our father, our grandfather, um, passed away. He committed suicide. Actually, he was. So the mental health in our family, um, you know, was was present, and so moving into uh, pharmaceutical sales and selling Prozac was it was you know was something you could connect with. Yeah, it was pretty deep and emotional because our grandfather unfortunately didn't have access to that to SSRIs, which was Prozac was one of the yeah. the more sophisticated antidepressants, and he had tricyclic antidepressants at that point when he was growing up or when he was actually a pharmacist. So I always had this passion because I thought that, gosh, if he had depression around the times that he had access to Prozac, he probably would have been okay. But he, you know, the antidepressants at the time when he was depressed weren't, you, it was very hard to be compliant on those and drugs. I, and I think pharma mm -hmm. gets a bad name in, in, in a lot of aspects, right? Yeah. It's like, well, they just want to push pills. They right. just want to push pills. And, and listen, everything is a business. That, right. that is a fact, but it does help a lot of people. You know, how much did you see or the doctors you were working with that that was impacting people in a positive way? Were you able to see it? Were you happy about it? Years well, later, did you turn back and say, you know, maybe that wasn't what I thought going in? I, I feel like that's why we moved into med tech. So we were a little bit too removed from the patient. I mean, we got to know the physicians. We both had, you know, academy training at two incredible companies but we were too far away from the patients. So when I actually threw our dad. You weren't uh, at the end user. Exactly. We weren't the end user. We weren't, yeah, we weren't close to it. And so when we got a call from our father saying, you need to talk to you know, this woman about this med tech company, that is like the wave of the future. We talked to her and that med tech was really the, for us, I left pharmaceuticals because I just felt too removed. Mm. And med tech, you're in the operating room, you're next to the surgeon, you're helping to, you know, drive where the implant's gonna go in the heart. Like, you're really the specialist. Yeah, you're almost like doing the surgery. Yeah. I had a friend, I was telling you, a striker, Bernie, and uh, he wants to come on, he's actually just messaged me. He was doing cranial facial. Yeah. yeah. So let's say you have a tragic accident and they, they gotta remove a part of your skull yeah. and now they're putting back in this, you know, device. Yeah. And he's in there essentially doing brain surgery, mm -hmm. which yeah. just always blew my mind. Mm -hmm. He was educating the doctor. So that is definitely a serious, and quickly you guys said, this is the way I wanted to go, and you both jump in. Where did you go at the time? Did you go together or again, went separate? I went first. This is a oh. pattern. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing this. I went in, and I forget how long after, six months after. Well, well you, gotta rem you have to say that when we were in pharmaceutical sales, we lived at home for oh, a couple of years, oh, and God. Mia was so annoyed by me. because We're both workers. We both put our heart and soul in our jobs. But we she loved, to work. loved it, and I, I was like, it. this is kind of lame. I was like, <laughs> like Carlo loved it. She was obsessed we were, with it. We were getting so our we nails done. Remember? Oh my God! What it's were you like, obsessed with? Were you obsessed with the people, and the work, and the systems, or were you obsessed with the 
the product? What I were you obsessed with? I think I was obsessed with? with the product. I think we had a connection. I had a connection. So Mia worked at Merck and she had cardiovascular products where I had Prozac. And I think there was a connection because of our grandfather. Mm-hmm. So there was a story that Mia and I were getting our nails done. <laughs> I don't even remember this. Oh, gosh. We're getting our nails done. And I was talking to the person who was doing my nails. She was a wonderful woman. She was telling me she was depressed. And I was like, how long have you been depressed? Have you seen a doctor? And Mia was like, yeah. oh my gosh, she's obsessed with her job. <laughs> I was diagnosing everybody with depression. But you're all in, you're passionate. I, yeah. I love, yeah, yeah always all in. But um, yeah, so that's, so from, from a pharmaceutical standpoint, I think we both got to the point where we were like, you know, we, we would love to be in the operating room where the action is. And Mia happened to be at Columbia and you saw yeah. a rep that had a bag. Well, it was dad. Well, dad, you're right. Dad, dad introduced us to this woman through a, a, a Xerox guy. And he was like, this company dad's is on a, a rocket ship. Dad's a stud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, this company's on a rocket ship. to everybody. Is still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He rides on the boardwalk up to Asbury Park with his Phillies hat, his Villanova sweatshirt. Sometimes yeah. Didn't jump with the Phillies hat? No. <laughs> Not here. Not yet. Not yet. But um, MedTech was like way more interesting, yeah. way more opportunities for Upside. And this company guidance. It was What's that? It was interactive. It was so interactive. It was so technical. I mean, we were in scrubs on, you know, we were 24-7 on call. It was a grind. I was, we were there during 9-11, like had to like run up to the hospitals because they wanted to get the patients off the, you know, out of the. And at that time, now as you guys moved on, you moved on from pharmaceuticals. Were you at the same company now a year Mm -hmm. later? Yes. We were at Guidant. Both at Guidant. Yeah. Which was. Both doing cardiac. Yeah. And what was really really cool. So when we first started, we sold pacemakers and defibrillators. So like Mia said, we were in the electrophysiology lab and we were testing wires that go into the heart. And, you know, we were liberal arts majors and business minors, but we were in scrubs testing the wires, telling them, you know, if they had great connectivity to the heart, the tissue in the heart. So it was, you know, it was a lot of training to go through that. But what was really cool was we were able to help launch technology for patients with heart failure. So we launched this Meaning you were like a beta test, it was coming down from the company, and then you guys were trying to implement it into the lab and, and sell it per se? Yeah, well, we, we were involved in clinical trials. That's crazy. So patients that had heart failure had no uh, option outside of um, just being medically managed. So when our company launched um, congestive heart failure devices, they put a, a third wire into the left side of the heart, and that helped patients synchronize their right ventricle and their left ventricle and ultimately help them with, you know, the outcome for heart failure. Yeah, so that and was that pretty was cool because cool. you got to see the patients. Like you would yeah. see the yeah. patient before the procedure, uh, ash and gray, and then you'd see them a week later where they have like flow. they've got color in their face. Their wives the are like guys started growing hair. Yeah, no, the 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 wives are like I have not, never seen him with that much energy, and that's yeah. like what we both wanted was to like be near yeah. patients and like being able to talk really to the patients, care and be yeah. involved. Yeah. We yeah. I had this one patient um, story that to me will I always remember. But I was, we, you know, not only were we in the labs, but we also got to check them in the clinic. So we got to see three months later, you know, their ability to actually walk down the hallway towards us where before, you know, they needed to, they needed a walker. And this one gentleman I was checking, we're able to get on the computer and check and see what kind of arrhythmias he might've had if he got shocked by his device. And I pull up this um, histogram and I said, hey, you know, on September 19th, you know, 2003 at, 1230 in the morning, you were shocked by your defibrillator. What happened? And he started crying and his wife was sitting there. He's, she said, what date? And I told them the date again. It was the night before their daughter got married. Mm. So the oh, device wow. so it saved his life. The device right before, saved wow. his life 
and yeah. he said, do you realize I wouldn't have walked my daughter down, you know, down the aisle wow. if I didn't have this device? And that's when I was like, wow, this is really Well, there you go. Cool. There's the passion, yeah. right? There, yeah. there it's like, okay, I could run with this now. It I can... was, but it also it was, was an amazing business. So yeah. we love well, the patients. Yeah, you're like making doing money good too. and doing well. Like we grew this market in New York City. We grew it from like. Were you guys both remember. in the same territory? Were you working on At the same team? At one point. Yeah. So, so I was down in South Jersey, Philadelphia. Mia was in New York City, and then I ultimately moved to New York City. And Mia and I were partners at Columbia and NYU. Where did you guys live oh, in New York City? Tribeca. Mia's like Still an entity in Tribeca. <laughs> I love Mia. it. Well, I came down after 9-11 because they offered subsidies. So 9-11 yeah. drew a lot of people down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why not hop on that? Yeah. That's that business mind in you. Oh, my God. It was a fun business. Yeah. We grew that thing. And then we were about yeah. to get bought by Johnson & Johnson. Boston side. Oh. Yeah. No, J&J. &J. You're right. You're and right. then we had recalls where our device was like put on the front page of the New York Times. Unfortunately, instead of working for, you know, saving a patient, the patient it short-circuited and the patient died. It was and a young was guy like, in Moab. Yeah. He was, um, he was mountain, mountain biking. biking. Yeah. He was 21 years old. And the device that had been put in him um, did not save him because yeah. it was short-circuited. See, I want to talk about this in the medical community. Yeah because this is a huge topic with vaccines and everything. And yeah. I'm definitely a guy who's got eyes wide open. Yeah. What is right, what is wrong? Yeah. And it's like, when you do something like that, how many people were saved with that device? Oh. I mean, far more, far more. The, 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 the benefits way outweigh the risks. Yeah. But this was a case study of a business that was growing like leaps and bounds and they took their eye off the quality ball and they were focused on the number. It scaled too quick to the scaled number. Scaled too quickly. Yeah. Scaled too quickly. And that that was a huge, we finally got bought by Boston Scientific and the money that we both made on it, because it was an ESOP, which was an incredible opportunity to participate in a transaction at a very young age, I put into business school. Wait, so time out. They yeah. gave, they, how big was that company at the time? What it was, was a billion it? Billion dollars. dollars. Yeah, it was about a billion. Billion? Yeah. yeah. And they had it fully set up as an ESOP. Yep. So Everyone for, participated. So for people who don't know, an ESOP is something where every employee essentially yeah. owns the company. Yeah. And it is a it massive is tax benefit to yes. the owners. And huge retention but you, tool. And huge but you, retention you, tool. It's 15% discount. So you you know, you know get a 15% discount on yeah. the stock. It's amazing. And yeah. you guys participated yeah. what, right off the bat. They gave you something to bring in. Yep. And then as you accelerated up the ladder, you grabbed we more. We deferred our comp into it, too. Yeah. So you, so you get deferred comp, tax-free. Like, and so when it And hit, how old were you at the time? 28. 20, no, well, we, when it hit, we were 20. I was like, yeah. we were like 28. We started at 24, though. Yeah. We were, we were really oh, so young maybe it was a little in bit the med tech space. Yeah. But you guys were a, a pivotal pillar in that business growing to as large as it was. If you don't mind me asking, at the time, what was the, the roundabout dollar amount that hit for you in, in the 20s? I mean, I, I made a couple hundred thousand dollars on it. It wasn't like life changing, but I was able to take that money and put it to business school. But hold on, hold on. Yeah. That is life changing. It was, that is life changing right, in your but 20s. I still, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I, I still had to work. Of it wasn't, course. Yeah, but but yeah. I mean, to be able to now yeah. move forward yeah. in what you want to do with no worry of I got to go take on all this debt. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you both. Yeah. That's well, a really cool story. Dad, say, well, Dad said, put it all in that. Put it yeah. into the ESOP. But it's also like in med tech, getting on the crest of the wave yeah. of technology versus the crash of the yeah. wave is really important as you look to, That's you why know. these startups are huge, which we'll get into. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. moving the, the story forward, and that is really awesome. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. 
you guys, what did you do after that? Did you stay with the company or after they had some, some bad press, you guys moved on? Yeah. Well, what did you so guys do I after went that? to, I, I did a part-time business school program, but I found a way to, to because I could fund it. Our parents were, were not going to pay for it. Found this program that allowed me to work. Your dad paid for enough introducing you to that guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, they paid for Villanova. We, they paid we for Villanova, were but everything after that, that we had no totally no out of Villanova. But um, coffee machine sales. But from there, and mom, mom worked at yes, Honeywell. But from there, um, I went to mom a program. pumped dad, which gave, helped them do the money. The, yeah, the mm-hmm. husband who's going to work, or the wife who's going to work, yeah. and the other spouse is at home. If I 10% better my marriage, that 10, 10x is my business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But, and, and even shout I think. Shout out to mom. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to mom. Yes. I think she just realized that, like, at the rate we were going and what Villanova costs for two people, they weren't going to be able to pay the bill. So my mom jumped in and helped to pay yeah. X amount. Twins are tough. Yeah. Twins are tough. It's like. And you guys didn't end up with twins? Huh? No. None of you ended up no. with twins, no. I wish we no. had. Every other generation, our kids will have twins. <laughs> so. That's cool. As um, twins, you have to, what do I always say? You have to learn how to win with humility and lose with grace. Whatever. Collaboration. <laughs> anyway. um, but so, so took the money, put it into a business school, Columbia and London Business School, and was able to, because I lived in New York City, I was like, I can't just go to business school. Like a lot of people took two years off and I was like, that's yeah. just not my thing and I have to make money. And so did business school alongside of uh, a really cool job that allowed me to travel to Europe and to Asia. And so when I was in New York, I'd be at Columbia. And then I was over in uh, Europe, I would go to London Business School. And so was able to launch these products that we launched in the United States over in Europe and then in Singapore. With the same company? Same company. Well, we were in different jobs at that point. We're both managers. Yeah, but same company. They wanted to... And you were still, still in ESOP, still grabbing... No, by then they had transacted. So Boston Scientific owned us. So it transferred over to Boston Scientific stock. Yeah. But so you still had stock there at the we time. We got the bump yeah. with yeah. that transaction and then it went over to stock. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so first of all, this is yeah. a lot about business ownership and you really are a partner in a private equity firm. You are what I call an entrepreneur. You are mm-hmm. working inside of a, a corporate totally. structure and doing very well and building teams. But... For some of the people who just fixate on entrepreneurship, yeah. that story right there quickly created a liquidity event yes. yep. that did change your life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It wasn't life changing in a sense where you can go home, but it allowed you to go do Correct. what you did and gave you the, Correct. you know, what I call the clout mm-hmm. to go and go to London and, and pursue. And what did you do at the time? At the time of. She went over to London Business School. You were having a baby. I remember. <laughs> Gosh, so I decided to make life really easy and have a baby, go to business school and change my job at the same time. And my husband went to business school with me as well. So we both went to, we all of us went to Columbia. Mia did the London business school program. So you married at 28 to Jason? 33. 33? 33. Got married. Was he in the SEALs at the time? No, he had gotten out of the SEALs. We met at Guidant. We were selling pacemakers and defibrillators together. So he just gotten back from being out of the SEALs and we met selling pacemakers and defibrillators. And I remember they were, they had asked me to be his, his mentor. And I was like, I'm going to teach this guy how to do, it's called Ohm's Law. It's an engineering that with the um, pacemakers and defibrillators. It's all about the electrical conduction system of the heart. And I was like, I, this guy was just putting bombs together over <laughs> in like Djibouti. What am I going to teach this guy? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we. Um, and shout out to Jason and his service to the country and yeah. his skills. Great dude. Veterans Backyard Brew Crew. 
yeah. Get on it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a, yeah, definitely big into serving the country and we wave community. the flag high at our house. That's awesome. I do as well. Yeah. My brother-in-law also served in the army, but we, um, so we decided, so I was in med tech still, I think I had just gotten the, I just started into leadership. So I've been in leadership for 13 years and got the hook, loved leadership and business school really helped to solidify a lot of the really tough decisions that I had to make as a leader because my whole thing for the past seven teams that I've had is transforming cultures. Drill down on that a little bit more saying business school helped me figure out those tough decisions but you didn't make the tough decisions yet. What were they showing you that you then applied later? Yeah so I took over a team so as a leader I was I was young I took over this team that was very tenured and they were the lowest. How was that? It was hard. Yeah. It was really hard because as a 33-year-old female leading a team of 55, 60-year-old men who've been doing this for a long time. How did they, how, how did they take to you? Not, I mean, I had been on their team when I was 23. They were the ones that taught me the pacing business. And then I came back as their leader and their boss. And they literally, I remember, the, the uh, manager at that time had an anchor on his desk. And the reason why the anchor was on the desk was because they were the lowest performing team in the whole country. And nobody wanted to manage this team because they had two very tenured sales reps who were very toxic. And there was a revolving door of leadership. And I remember calling the vice president at the time and saying, hey. Were they I, the top people on the sales team? Of course. Yeah. Of course they were. So, so everyone the turned shots. a blind eye yeah. and said, we're going to accept this behavior and we're gonna allow it because they bring in the most revenue in the company. Yeah. Yet the, the performance was going down, the culture was rock bottom. It didn't exist because everybody kept leaving. Terrible. Exactly. Yeah. So I remember calling that vice president and saying, I was in business school and I said, I want, I want to be that manager. And they were like, you, you're 30, you know, I, I never knew you wanted to lead a team. I said, no, I want to, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to improve the performance, but I also wanted to transform the culture. And I wanted to allow the people that were there an opportunity to actually love what they do. Yeah. And uh, went in and within six months- You those, fired them. Yeah, but, but before that, before that, the vice president said, we'll allow you to go in there, Carla, but you cannot lose $1 of revenue. <laughs> and yeah, I was like- A lot of pressure. Game on, let's do it. And I went in and I assigned two junior reps to the senior guys. And then within six months, those two guys left. and. I, I left a year and a half later, but when I left, the, the culture had transformed and the team actually went, they never got to number one, which was always my goal, but they got to the top 10 teams in the country out of like 40 teams. Still, that's amazing. And how large was that business? Um, you know, at that time it was probably $50 million of revenue. At 33, you said? I was 33. Yeah, that's, that's a large business to run. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, but I was, I, someone had given me a book called The No Asshole Rule. And I remember reading it. And then in business school, we discussed it. And to me, it just helped to further solidify that you, there are emotionally expensive people on teams that may bring in a lot of revenue, but they're very toxic to the cultures. And that's when I kind of got the hook on loving to lead teams and improving cultures. So I, I come from the finance mm -hmm. space and this is about you two. It's not about me, but I see that and I've seen it oh, forever. Totally. Yeah. And I've been almost the rebel on the outside saying, F that guy. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much business he does. He ain't helping me nope. or the next guy yep. or the next guy or the next guy. And you're spending all of your energy yes. keeping him happy and he'll yes. never be happy. Yeah. He'll never be happy. A lot of times tax. I hang mm -hmm. on the outside of the organizations because that's where I can just rock my own little yeah. culture. Yeah. 
because those people sadly in the finance space are still not pushed out. Yeah. Kudos to you for being strategic and thinking bigger and getting that done. And mm -hmm. You both were in business school. You had gone over to London. You were growing this business. You took it from zero to $20 million. There was no payday. No. How does that feel? It was horrible. I was yeah. angry. I That's when the entrepreneur sucks, right? I was like, this is BS. Because I had joined this German company and essentially it was like, had like the worst reputation. And so I was like, I can do this. They've got great technology and I just need to build the team. And I came in and there was one specific guy. The, the, the business in New York was doing $4 million and he was doing three and a half million of that. And I found out through all my doctor relationships that he was a bad egg. He was paying doctors, he had a really bad everybody. reputation. Yeah. What's that? He was paying everybody. He's paying everybody. And I was like, I called Jake Langer at Biotronic and I was like, Jake, I gotta fire Ray. Like, he, he's like, no, no, he's our top guy in the US. I'm like, I gotta fire him. No one respects him. He's like a cultural, like, like just a bad egg. bad egg. And I was like, I promise you, we're, I'm gonna fire him. Our numbers are gonna go to almost zero for a year, but then you're gonna see it climb. He's like, oh, Mia. I was like, this is, this is the way it's gonna go. And how old were you at the time? I was 30, I guess. But back and to how the old was your boss that you were calling? Oh, 50. So for the yeah. young woman that's yeah. out there, and you guys don't hate on men at all. No. Men have given you an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. speak very highly of your yeah. father. Beth. How do you find that confidence yeah, in man. yourself to go and call this 50-year-old person, whether it be a man or a woman, and say, you're doing it wrong, right? Because he's your leader. Because at the end of the day, it kind of yeah. looks bad on him that yeah. he didn't see that. Yeah. And most of the time in those types of organizations, He's got so much going on, right. he can't really see that. He's just looking at the no. spreadsheet. Right, he's in the ivory tower. So how do you go about that? Where do you find the confidence at the young age of 30? I just knew, I mean, I think this kind of goes back to your moral compass and like having your clear goals of what's right and wrong. And I just knew that you have to make the hard decisions in order to grow the business. And so if you've got people that are representing the company in the wrong way, it was, it was going to dampen the opportunity. And so I was like, if you get rid of Ray, we will build the business because we'll have credibility in the company. We will, other physicians will want to be affiliated with us. They don't even want to be affiliated with us because they think that we're dirty company because Ray is paying off Ray's their got physicians. A lock. Yeah. Ray's got a lock. And so it was just, it was just, it was an easy decision because it was the right decision. And mm -hmm. that's it. If you go with what's the right decision, what will you feel good about? What will you pass the red face test on? Like yeah. that, that will always make you feel free. Would you call it the red face? The red face test. What's that? It's like, you know, if something happens and yeah. you didn't make a good decision and you're like blushing, like it's a bad decision, <laughs> but you can pass the red face test of your, if you, if, if you, you right follow thing. that moral compass and you do yeah. what's yeah. right, it, it, even Always. if it's not economically the best in the moment, totally. It, it ends up being the right thing. Totally. In the we, we're yeah. like a big fan of doing good and doing well. If you do good, you will do well. So you took that company to 20 million and, and your organization, you also took a, a job in leadership. Where did you both go from there? You're now, how old? 32, 33, 34? Kids yet? Remember. Were you married yet? You, you went to Russell Reynolds. I was married. You I was having my first kid. Yeah. They wanted, so the, the, the one point I'll just bring up, they were the lowest performing team. And by the time I left, we were the top performing team in the country. And we got invited to the Founders Castle in Germany. Germany and we got a big party. And so everybody, like they called yeah. us the Land of Misfit Toys because I took over this team that was the Land of Misfit Toys. But 
when we fired Ray and everybody got a chance to like be able to sell because people wanted to affiliate ourselves, we were the number one team in the country. And it was just, it was a really proud moment. Yeah, that's awesome. It was amazing. And so after that, I was like, I'm kind of done. I don't know, I'm done with med tech. And I was like angry I didn't have equity, angry that I wasn't able to capture that upside and like inspired that I could find that somewhere else. Yeah. Where did you start thinking this equity piece? Obviously the ESOP helped you figure that out yeah. and, and kind of learn those ways. But an ESOP is not really so much equity as in like a startup. Right. What made you think that way? It was my husband. Your husband? Yeah, my So husband. you had been engaged him at the time and he was like, hey, I'm in finance, this is what you want? Yeah, he's like, you don't have, you just grew the business from zero to 20 in four years and you got no participation in that. And so I actually an got less. He, he's, you know, no. he, now he is, but he was not an, he's just a, he is a numbers guy. He's like, this doesn't make sense. You're working your butt off. You have yeah. no skin in the game. Yeah. You're actually this getting less. This is how less. much they made. This, this is, is how what much they made. Exactly. Made. He'll run the numbers. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and he's you're He's an a MIT brilliant mind. Yeah. yeah he's like, I'm you're just a sucker. brick kid, but I, I think the same way. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> like, hold on. Like, exactly. they made this off of you. <laughs> Standard margins. This, they are your biggest yeah, costs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. So you guys both at the time started a family. Let's say you're mid thirties. Yeah. Um, yeah. You did you take a, a step back at the time? No. You just kept kept going. Kept going. Yeah. I mean, I I married an incredible person who is very um, supportive of me and my drive and my career. He said that when we when I went on maternity leave, it was probably the most rocky that we've ever had in our relationship. Go back to work. Go back to work. Oh gosh. He said I would like. If the mailman didn't come exactly at the same time every day, I was like, where's the mailman? Where's the mailman? He's like, oh, you need to go back to work, Carla. <laughs> I've, I've just love, I always love working. I yeah. love having teams. I love building teams. I love transforming cultures. And I think that he knew that. And I love being a mom, though. I mean, I love, you know, I have a daughter who's 14. I have a son who's 10. And I think I'm pretty present for them. Um, but Sales jobs allow for that. Well, yeah, you don't have to go into an office. I mean, yeah. we have, I have a virtual office. So I work from home. I travel quite a bit because I have the whole country as my, you know. But you're I'm home a, the rest of the time. Yeah. So, but I, I get to go out. I get to, you know, I think it's important as a vice president of sales to have a pulse with the customer and also lock arms with your field people to understand what kind of obstacles they have in their way and, you know, what their day-to-day -day grind is. Um, but I also have incredible directors that help me to elevate up concerns or issues. That's scale, in the field. right? Exactly. And, and you're it's running your leverage. A, yeah. It's, you know, there's there's yeah. a couple different ways of leverage, right? Money, mm -hmm. leverage, other people's money. Yeah. And human and, capital. And, and human <laughs> capital, right? Yeah. The time. You know, I, I leverage Big Maddie that you guys were very complimentary of. Maddie, they love yeah. you. You yeah. know, Matt helps run a lot of pieces of my business that allow me to do what I do best. Yep. Yeah. Right? So as these directors are kicking up to you certain problems, you can help them create solutions. But I, I want to bring it back to yeah. sometimes sales gets a negative stigma, like, Oh, you're selling me or you're in sales like you're the cash register. You're mm -hmm. the cashier of the of the the food place, of the retail shop, of the business. You have to get the sales in and then get them out and make sure there's no waste. And at the same time, you get to really in a sense dictate your schedule, right? Yeah. And you are busy, but I'm busy and if I can get it done and be efficient and get the end result I could then take the rest of the time and, right. and do what I want to do with it, which is spend time with your family. Yep. Um, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. What makes you love building culture so much? Like what is, like, what is it? Oh, I'm such a, I could 
this could be a whole other podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, Mia's annoyed. <laughs> Mia's like rolling her eyes. I, I love making, I mean, this is my seventh team that I've had where I've been able to come in and, you know. All within Medtronic. Uh, well, one was at Boston Scientific, but within Medtronic, so I'm in the, in, I'm in the safety of Medtronic, but I've had seven different jobs, and I love going in and figuring out. I love learning about the organization. I love learning about how we can improve their performance, but I also love to understand how we can improve their, their quality in terms of how they work. So, two questions, piggybacking off that. What would you say if you had, if you had a, a graph and then you had the data over time, what are the patterns of what is the, the number one thing that is affecting performance on an organization or a team? Yeah, so bad leadership. Bad leadership, yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree. Yeah, it's, bad, it's, it's um, leaders who don't dig in, who don't get into the foxhole with their people, who don't listen to them, They're who absent. don't understand them, who don't help them, and don't understand what motivates them. And, and for the leaders who are doing that now, what do you think leads them, no pun intended, mm. to, to being that way? Is it just it's too big or they get fat cat? Like what happens? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple of things. I think that they're, they feel like if they elevate their concerns from their team and nothing happens, they get frustrated. Yeah. And they stop elevating the concerns because they know that nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, they feel like their voice isn't heard. So being able to maneuver and have the right people that you can punch above your weight inside of a, a corporation, yep. that would make me nuts. I, I am not a guy for a corporation because yeah. I'd be calling right. the CEO every day like, you're going to fire me, dude. Yeah. You're going to fire me if you don't yeah. give me well, what I need to I, win. Uh, and I think that it's important, though, especially in my organization, we have 21 operating units. So we have 21 businesses that report up to our CEO. So when you have somebody that can navigate the complexities of the organization, and you know, get what we need to get done and figure out who the right person is to call to say, hey, we need an extra headcount. These people are like, they need, there's the competition has five people to our one person, we need extra headcount. So if you have an effective leader who can actually, you Dissect know. Dissect that information quickly and, and yeah, take action. And, and, but also influence the, the you know, the, the influence the fact that we can get extra DD or direct distribution, that's an effective leader. So that's what I've always wanted to surround myself with are people that can elevate up quickly, wrap their arms around the field, care about. Like I always say, I like to surround myself with leaders who are capable and they care. Servant they're, leadership. Exactly. They're capable of executing a strategy, but they care not just about winning, but about their people. I'm not allowed to talk too much about my business. Clients is always watching. But life insurance is something I do in conjunction with a lot of estate strategies and tax strategy. And Mehran Asadi has a book called Cause. Mm. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure the last five years, it's been in a lot of airport. It's him. Yeah, I feel like he, I've he, seen it. He's Middle Eastern. He's got his hands out. And yeah. it's called Cause. Read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Servant Leadership. Yeah, you know, President's Club, Chairman's yeah. Club. Yeah. He's the guy handing out the drinks, yeah. hanging out with you. Yeah. And he means it. Yeah. He means it. Uh, and that's, that's tough to find. So Medtronics has 21 verticals of their, mm-hmm. wow. 21. Well, actually, we just did a divestiture of, two of them, so our lung and our patient monitoring business. Still, that's, that's a lot. It's big a lot. business. It's a big business. Yep. So I want to keep the balance here. You guys both have awesome stories <laughs> and it, it's in lockstep, but again, both different. What were you doing as she continued to, to grow these organizations within Medtronics? So I decided to take a pivot. I was like, I'm done with med. I was done with med tech. And my, Why? Actually, I just felt like 
time, the it time was under like, it? weekends, nights, it was all consuming. And I, <laughs> and I really did want to get a, I wanted to find a path towards getting a piece of the equity. And I was like, we work you our were butts off. On it, I was focused on it. I was like, we work our butts off. Like I want to be able to participate in the upside. And so my path there was not direct, but back to my husband, he was like, you love building teams and you love healthcare technology. Well, you should look at executive search. And so I took a total left turn in my career. Quickly, to, for the people watching, what yeah. does executive search sure. mean? Yeah. So executive search is essentially, as you think about all these companies, the Medtronics of the world, the big companies, they have CEOs, they have CFOs, they have, C they have a whole C-suite yeah, of leaders. And so there's a very niched industry out there that will build networks, back to our network point, build networks and find a way. Fireside's got a network. They have these two killers. Exactly. <laughs> build networks and be able to find the right leader for that company. And so I went into executive search for two years. I loved it. I was like, this is like connecting the dots nonstop. And this you already like, had some great connections. Yeah. Right now, how many years were you already in pharma and medical? I mean, I, it was 15, actually, because it was 15 years. I did 15 years of med tech and 10 years of executive search. And you search. were overseas. Like, you, you yeah. had a lot of contacts. Yeah, yeah. Had a, lot of contacts. had a lot of contacts. Yeah. No, me as a natural yeah. connector. Well, I just love it. If yeah. you well, it seemed like, like you guys were feeding each other on a lot of things. We love people. We yeah. always say that. We love I know. people. We love people. We love people. We love learning about them. We love connecting them to great opportunities. Basically, yeah. like, tonight that's where were, our oxygen is. You guys were so kind. You brought me a beautiful bottle of bourbon, <laughs> and you were loving up my family. I can <laughs> oh. tell you're both yeah. people. You're, you're regular people. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. It's like... Relatable. You, yeah, and you want to see people succeed and be the best yeah. version of themselves. And like what Carla does at Medtronic and then what I did at Executive Search, I was like... How cool is this? I'm talking to a private equity firm that needs a CEO to run their portfolio company, and I'm going to call this person and potentially change their lives because, like, I'm connecting them to the opportunity. Yeah. And, and not just their lives, but the whole company's yeah. lives. Oh Everybody's God. life. Like, if you bring in them. somebody with a good culture. Nothing makes me happier. I just talked to one of the guys I placed five years ago. He's yeah. like, Mia, change my life. He's like, we had two exits. Never, ever in my life did I ever think I would be able to participate in Subside doing everything that I love to do. And I was like, that's incredible. Yeah. Now, he was a C-level great guy, and he, you had placed him in another startup that was about to exactly. go to the moon. So he was in a big company. So you said you were a recruiter, really. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's recruiting. Yeah. And yeah. at the C-suite level. So recruiting, but always in the C-suite for private equity and venture. Mm. And that was my entree into private equity and venture, just getting exposure into that world. Yeah, and you started to realize, like, hey, there's a lot of these deals going on. Yes. And again, you go back to equity. How I, do I get involved in that? Exactly. I was like, this is <laughs> eye-opening to me. We all work the same amount. If you're going to work the same and you're going to get good results, why don't you get a piece of it? <laughs> Would you agree? And I, this is my point yeah. of view that it, it, at the end of the day, it goes down to, it comes down to people yeah. and relationships. Oh, totally. And again, you have to have the opportunity totally. too. Totally. Yeah. But if I have the people, yeah, I have the opportunity. Well, and that's what... And it's on all fronts, right? Because yeah. this guy doesn't have the opportunity over here, but this guy does, yeah, but right. I have this guy he needs. Yeah, right. He's, he's the Connecting audible them. in the Super Bowl mm -hmm. that comes in, that's the play that hasn't been run all year, and yeah. he wins the Super Bowl, but he only did one play. Mm-hmm. And they just don't know each other yet. And, well, and if you can be the broker of that, that's exactly. power. That is powerful. There's vig there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's powerful. And that's what the company I went to after, I did two years of a traditional executive search model, and then I was like, this guy recruited me, and that was basically an equity-driven model where he would take equity in lieu of cash fees 
for executive searches. So he would say that one more time. So he so he would say to the private equity firms, I'll do your search, which typically they'd pay. Don't pay me the fee. Give me the don't give me the fee. Give me equity. And what would the fee be at that level? A couple hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, and a startup doesn't really want to give up that capital, right? Exactly. But she gets the equity. It's capital intense. We take equity and we'll we'll do some, you know, we have to keep the lights on. So we'll do some searches for cash. But our goal was always to find the smartest money and to get in on the deal and get access to the deal. And that paid dividends. But it was risky, but you guys were, you know. Yeah, super risky, but we had like a lot of young people so they could take the risk. And you doubled down on that. And then got involved and said, hey, we're a search firm and we're doing well and we're placing it and placing these deals that are winning. How do we now get involved deeper in these deals or take larger shales on the cap table, right? What did you do from there? And that was, we started a venture studio. And so then we started building companies and we owned all the equity and we would place those leaders. So back to your point, we're like, you controlled wow. the relationships. What's that? You controlled the relationships. Well, well, and I mean, the way we started it was our founder was like, product market fit, interesting, but if you don't have the right people, it yeah. doesn't matter. So start with the people through the executive search firm, build a network, build an ecosystem, and then let's build, because we're, we're helping all these private equity and venture firms get rich by p- putting the right leaders in. Let's build our own companies and then yeah. put those leaders in and own all the economics. And so through the EBITDA of the search firm, we would build, we built a venture studio, a million and a half dollars that would pay people's salaries to build companies. We owned all the equity in the companies. And then when we would place the CEO. So was the studio being pitched all the time by startups? Uh, no, because the studio was a startup. The studio, the venture studio was basically, they would bring in executives and residences or they'd bring in. Um, they would bring in entrepreneurs that would build companies, build ideas, and we would and wrap resources And they were just giving them some running. capital to do it, and then you already had the, the yeah. people to, to yep. run it after that. Yep, and then we would, we'd, we'd grow them, we would connect them to anchor clients through the executive search side of the business, and then we would- So it became we, a private equity firm. It became a, it, it, be, it became a platform. It became like an ecosystem and a platform. It was a venture studio, a venture fund eventually, and an executive search firm. And so it was a very synergistic, like back to our whole. Yeah, at all, just, we were talking about earlier with Fireside, yeah. Totally, network, ecosystem, it created this incredible network effect. And talk about back to EBITDA. So for someone who doesn't know yeah. what that means, yep. describe that. So EBITDA is um, expenses before interest and tax. <laughs> Depreciation, appreciation. Go back to your Columbia days. Essentially, it's, 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 essentially what they did is they leveraged their, their P&L and their cash flow yeah. to go and, and, and front, front these businesses yeah. to do what they were already doing for other people. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then you took that over from there. Yeah. And our goal was to zero. We didn't care about cash. Every year we're like zero out equity. on the balance equity. sheet. Equity. We equity. wanted equity. We were like, three x every dollar we bring in, we're going to roll the dice on it and see you in 10 years, you're going to be 20x. And that's the way we did it. And how large is, is your company today? Well, I moved. So the company that I left, we the last time I checked, we had, we had given out $100 million in in uh, you know exits, wow. So we so the the company itself. I don't actually know how much is under management, um, but you know we paid back a hundred million bucks to the, the company in ten years. And today, what is the company you're with? 
I'm with a private equity firm and I got introduced to that through uh, the last company I was at and now I'm at a private equity firm, 40 years old, 31 billion AUM. We just raised a 14th fund and we focus in healthcare and in technology investments. Mm. We're going to we're gonna get back to that. <laughs> we're going to get back to that. So Her job is really fun. It's fun. It's I fun. love it. I love I, it. it. Just sitting she here. She is where I was at Lily. Yeah. Right? I'm a nerd. I'm like, I love, like, I love my job. Well, you, well, you, <laughs> you, the greatest job ever. Well, you're brought in. And it's exciting because you're learning again. Yes. And you see the, yeah. the, the equity again. Yes. And yeah. The, yeah. the end result. Yeah. While other people are being helped along the way and making money along the way yeah. as well. Yeah. But she's taking her relationships and the experience that you learn from yes. Oxion. Totally. It's like a building block. Yeah. Just my question, why aren't you over there? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Medtronics, don't be mad at me. I, I don't know. I just, I, 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 and I know you do, and you are the, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. She is. You, you are, you She's love like your perfect employee And you love your leaders, and that's awesome. Yeah. And Medtronics is blessed to have you. If I was the recruiter, I'd pay her millions of dollars to steal her. <laughs> Thank just you. saying they should pay her more <laughs> or make her an SVP. But, you know, yeah. What, what what holds you back? Because this show is a lot about, you know, from my perspective, I don't do well in that setting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah I, a lot of people don't. I can't listen to yeah. this boss that does this when I have this creative brain and yeah. I have this drive that just goes, this motor, it's like, dude, this steam engine that just like, once it's running, you're not stopping me. Yeah. Oh, so I got this organization up and running and then you pull this out from underneath me. I'm going berserk yeah. and I'm getting fired. HR is not happy yeah. with Ryan. I know. I'm just He's that going guy. Road, Ryan's going to road. That's just who I am. I'm a honest we guy. We have a runner. We have a runner. This guy's a rebel. We like him. He's now become toxic. Carla's firing me. He's toxic. Get him no. out. And you know what's funny? I love the, the rebels. The yes. people on my, so I took over this organization two years ago and I brought in rebels. Yeah. And it's fun because yeah. we, so uh, Jeff Bartha, our CEO, put us all into our own silos where we own our own P&L. And it's fun because I brought over, I, you know, changed the leadership. I brought in my, my people that were- And again, how many, when you talk about leadership, how many leadership is, is underneath your, your, your business in the P&L? Yeah, so in my business, we do about 450 million. Nationally. I have, nationally. I have 140 sales reps. I've got three directors. Um, I've got a project coordinator. I've got a finance partner. Um, I've got a marketing partner. What does the finance partner do? Just oh, curious. She's, she's the best, Stephanie Beckham. She's awesome. She she reports up just how our trends of the business are going. Um, she, so she's analyzing the data and Yeah, the we trends. forecast. So Medtronic's a big public company, so we need to make sure that our forecasts are pretty tight yep. on, which, on what we elevate up to our CEO. You gotta give the proper data, yeah. Yeah, they're, we're beholden to Wall Street. So, um, so we, we have a big team, and I'm lucky because the team is awesome. But... What I love about Medtronic is I've been in this big organization. I call it like the land of opportunity, for, especially for young people. I help a lot of young people get into med tech. And Medtronic is the best, in my opinion, because you literally are walking into the land of opportunity where you can reinvent yourself. You've got 21 companies. Do you deal with anybody who runs your TNA? My talent? Or t &E? Oh, yeah. The, all, all. the travel and entertainment side of things? That, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we've so got Matt's a, wife did that for a long time oh, wow. for... Uh, she was, well, their whole organization shifted after, uh, for Bristol. Oh, Bristol Myers. Yeah, yeah. great and company. She was, she was traveling the world. Um, yeah. I should connect you with her. She's very good at what oh, she yeah. does. Oh, yeah, to meet her. Yeah, yeah. We, need, 
We travel quite, I was in uh, Ireland three times in the last six weeks and because we've got a plant over in Ireland, so we're always over there. But those people who do the travel and entertainment and organize all that Our and meetings. the conference and, and meet the vendors, that's a that's a yeah, lot of work. Yeah, it's a It's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah and you've got to smile when people yeah. are very upset. Very and, nasty to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I've, the thing that you asked me that question, I, the thing that I've loved about Medtronic is I, every two to three years, I've been able to reinvent myself and take over organizations that either had cultural issues or performance issues and bring in a team of people that matched my, you know, pace and, uh, you know, shine a light on the organization and let them feel heard, but also execute a strategy in terms of helping to get to the performance goals that the company Did they give you more equity for that? Um, I mean... As a vice president, you get equity, you know. How's the stock doing? Oh. <laughs> she's coming after she's you. She's mean, I know. She's coming after mean. you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, so. you feed off, your tank is yeah. filled by seeing this problem and creating a solution and then yeah. helping that people within that organization win and, and, and that's special. But I do go back, like her husband, and sure. like, to the numbers. Sure. Right? And, and I see a lot of the people who are the entrepreneurs like do all this, like they blood, sweat, and tears yeah. into this stuff. And at the end of the day, I know you're doing fine yeah. and you're living very good, but do you see yourself, you know, at the end of your career saying, hey, I'll go do something similar to Mia or? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I actually, the, the position that I'm in now, if you look at my career development program, you know, at Medtronic, you've got these HR things. This was my drop the mic moment was being a vice president of sales for a national organization. I thought this is where I retire. So I'm 47. But you conquered it. Yeah, I feel like I'm- still I've, very young. Yeah, but you know, we have a, a, a really cool technology to help patients with hypertension that we're building for and we're gonna um, launch for renal denervation. And that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Because for me, my purpose or my mission to help patients live healthier lives, you live that through Medtronic. Mm -hmm. So I think that people that are in Medtronic love the fact that there's a purpose and there's a mission and we have access to incredible technology. One mission, you have access to a lot of capital, uh, a lot of research. Yeah, and we have amazing people, like the most brilliant minds that live in our organization. And again, like I've been here for 11 years, but I've had seven different jobs. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to reinvent myself and have access to- It's fun. No, it's oh, challenging. I, I, yeah, every couple of years. Like, I love the fact that I've been able to touch pacemakers and defibrillators and build transcatheter aortic valve teams and then now, you know, serve the coronary stents but also help to build for renal denervation. So that scratches my itch or itches my scratch, yeah. whatever you want to say, yeah, in terms of, like, reinvigorating sales organizations and then helping them to, you know, increase their value, whether that's a performance or whether that's culture. So that, that to me, is what's fulfilling. And that's awesome. I always go back to what is increasing my pocket, mm. yeah. right? You know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm I don't same. love yeah. these organizations. I think they, and, and Medtronic's is, I'm saying this, not, not her, she loves yeah. you. You know, it's, it's, it's it, you take advantage of these people. Yeah. Um, does she try to, you know, recruit you daily? She knows, she knows <laughs> <laughs> So talking about women in business yeah. and being successful, we're all aware of these, you know, scorecards and these yep. color coding nowadays, right? The board has to do it. Yep. Um, and it's something that you both are passionate about. Um, you had launched this. Nonprofit. Nonprofit. Yep. 501c3, right? Yep. Um, called Break Into the Boardroom. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so when I came over to the venture side and got exposed to venture and private equity, I was like, where are all the women? This is crazy, because I came from a big company where there were amazing women. And when you go to venture and private equity, there's not a lot of women. And I think for lots of reasons, women are risk averse, women are loyal, like there's lots of reasons why there are not women. And most of the investors are, are men. Women you know? are being moms. What's that? A lot of women are being moms. Yeah. You know, they, they're moms, yeah. they're working. Yeah, yeah. And, they're, and also it's just like, private equity is a guy's world, right? The venture private equity world's mostly men. Why, why do you, why? Because I think that, I, don't, I, I actually, I think that men are risk takers. Yeah. They also follow the money. And there's, you know, money to be made in terms of like being able to invest. They feel more comfortable taking the risk. I think, you know, a lot of these places, like it's a bit of this um, snowball effect where you've got a bunch of, you know, guys that start and then they bring in their guys. And that's mm -hmm. just the reality yeah. of it's networks. Buddies, people they it's trust. Networks. Yeah. I mean, it's people who they trust. It's right? networks. And so my whole thing was there's a lot of amazing women out there. And so how do we build bridges to private equity? And particularly in healthcare, you know, the majority of women are healthcare decision makers. The majority of women are healthcare, they buyers of healthcare. So if you don't have women in the boardroom, making like helping to make the most important strategic decisions in We're the not business. Maximizing. What's that? Yeah, you're We're not, not maximizing. maximizing. You've got blind yeah. spots in your strategy. Yeah. And so for me, diversity is a business strategy, not like a box checker. Mm. And so started this program with another woman in private equity, basically being like, how do we get more women in, into these roles? And um, essentially started it seven years ago. Every year we bring 40 women that are nominated by CEOs or private equity investors that are like board ready women, C-suite executives, great experiences, experiences that you want around the table. And um, our goal is to educate them on how to get into the boardroom and then connect the dots. And so we've placed 70 women in the boardroom. So is it like a, a marketplace that these CEOs drop these names down into? It's, a, it's the organization. It? So yeah. basically I reach out to all my portfolio company CEOs. Leslie, my partner, reaches out and we say, who in your companies do you think is board ready? Who would you support? And then let's, you know, let's meet them, let's bring them to the program, and then I'm gonna connect the dots on their behalf and essentially advocate for them in the private equity and venture world. And how has that become like a business for you and, and Leslie? So it's, you know, it's funny because it started out as like, this is doing like, the right thing. we're doing the right thing. Like we are in a privileged position as women to sit in the table with these private equity and venture investors. And so let's just do the right thing and let's provide access. But essentially what it became was for me like a, a branding opportunity. I get access to all these incredible women who typically wouldn't answer the phone calls of a recruiter because they're loyal and they don't want to think about leaving their jobs. Yeah. But um, f when I was at my last job and I had to bring in revenue and search business, 95% of my revenue came from women that were referring me. And so because it was like this halo effect of like we're doing the right thing, people gave back to me. I was gonna say like it feeds again your feeds again. whole yeah. ecosystem yeah. you have going on. And do you do you get involved with that at all too? I, I yeah. went to the, actually the first meeting this past last week, two last weeks week. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to yeah. I had the opportunity to see what you have built. done to give to mm -hmm. that too. Yeah. I like be an I, amazing board I love member. I yeah. I love giving back to we have a huge organization at Medtronic called Aspire. And I do a lot of like road shows where I go and help females. Cause we, when we were, when we yeah. started back in 2001, me and I always said we were in the bathroom together. Yeah. It was God. me, Mia and this girl, Amy. And we were the only ones in the bathroom. 
it was all males. Yeah. So I always make sure that, you know, I'm a voice and I'm accessible to help females know that you can be a leader in this company. You can be a vice president of sales. Yeah. So I always- Nationally. Have, yeah, nationally. Is, that yeah, is it's great. So I had the opportunity impressive. though to see Mia and Leslie, you know, and what the impact that they've made in boardrooms. And it was, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Cause Mia and I, we talk about our kids <laughs> and what we're doing day to day, but we really don't talk a lot about our jobs. Mm. Well, sometimes <laughs> I'd work. I'd work for both of you. She's a much more caring leader. I love my I team. Love I always say my team is my work family. Yeah, she's cutting me out for equity. <laughs> Ryan's gone. You know too many cut, people. We gotta cut him cut out. No. no, the pocket's bigger. I am yeah. a big fan of like the the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Like the pocket's bigger. Oh, she but you know what? Rides together. Totally. So, so me and I grew up with yeah. a grandmother. We have to mention our our grandmother Grace Jung, yeah. and she always taught us like surround yourself with people that are better than you, that you would work for. You're the average of Yeah, she five. was amazing. She always yeah. said that to us. She was an Irish woman who married a Chinese man. And she, you Shout know. Shout out to the Irish. China, to the Irish. And to the Chinese. And to the Chinese. We're 25%. <laughs> but she grew up in an orphanage and she didn't know, you know, what good looked like. And she married our grandfather and she made sure that we knew that every voice matters, no matter what your ethnicity, what are no matter what your gender, no matter what your upbringing, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. And she, she's the one that really taught us that you are the company you keep. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's why when we, you know, build companies or build businesses or build teams, we get this, we have this moral compass and this value set that we, we refuse to surround ourselves with people that don't um, hold those values in the same way that we do. So this show is called Fireside America. Yeah. And, and, and there's a yeah. lot of like, bad media and, and things thrown around for the last 10 years yeah. in this country and, and around the world about women, men, the gender, this, that. I personally believe America is still the most beautiful place in the world yeah. to thrive in any organization that you want to thrive in, start any business you want to thrive in, because you have leaders in all types of indices like yourselves, mm -hmm. like myself, who are helping create opportunity yeah. because you said it earlier. And again, the, the term was good. Or, or was it you, Carla? It was learn, earn, pass yeah, it on. It, learn it, yeah. return it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that is happening much more than people want to put an emphasis on. They yeah. want to put an emphasis on negativity. Yeah. And you guys, starting with your grandma, you know. Yeah. Are a testament to that. Yeah. And you, give back. You're, you're giving back. And you're not just yeah. giving back to, to women. You're no, helping no, people in the organization that are also high performers. I don't, I don't care what gender, which ethnicity, like a, anybody yeah. that's a high performer that has grit and has hustle. Yeah. Like we respect or that. Or people that like you want to provide access and you want to yeah, educate about different course. things. Like even, you know, anybody that just you want to shine a light on an industry that they don't know about because they hadn't been exposed to yeah, it. Yeah. And that's leadership. You shine a light on people that haven't had a light. Like we're, we're lucky. Yeah. We've had incredible parents who have been, always been our advocates. And we have each other. You need an yeah. advocate. And we, yeah. you know, we can punch each other in the nose and say you stunk, or we can say- It's a hockey fight, you know? You get into yeah. a hockey fight and you blow it out and you get it, you get it out and then you're over you're it. Both yeah, but, but we're yeah. not, we, I think we realize how lucky we are. I think that there is a lot of people out there that don't have parents that we had Hudson's or don't have- coming to visit you. Hi, buddy. Oh my God, you <laughs> smell Mickey, don't you? Yes. He smells, he needs to be <laughs> you, you, you both are killing it, you're amazing. Oh women, leaders, moms, wives, you know, to round this out, I'd like to ask a couple questions. Um, yeah. 
in a sense, you are now a business owner in private equity. We could have dove deeper into private equity, <laughs> but I want to keep you all night. Yeah. Um, we could have dove deeper into, you know, pacemakers and what you're doing now in your organization. But if you guys could give a young entrepreneur or someone looking to really excel up a, a corporation sales force, what is one thing that you would leave them? What it may be a saying, it mm -hmm. may be a thought. And I want something from both of you. Mm. You know, well, go ahead, do it, okay. So I, I always have a couple of things that I say to, especially the young females. Um, make sure you have a strong network. Make sure that you don't have your head down. I love the loyalty, but I think that it's really important for you to make sure that you always have a strong network of mentors and sponsors and people that can connect you to other opportunities. Um, and I think it's great to take a risk. I mean, I, I know I live in this big corporate environment and Mia's always like, you're so boring, but I have been a risk taker. <laughs> but there's I've, risk there too. I've taken, you know, I've done every two to three years, I've taken over different organizations and I've infused value in them, whether that's from a performance and a cultural standpoint. So I think that, um, you know, making sure that you have great leaders, you have a great network, you have a good sponsor, but, but believe in yourself. But also you have to make sure that you're performing in the position you're in that you have a strong image of people that are around you and that you have exposure to the right people that are, have influence in terms of helping to bring you along in their journey. You become the hunted, not the hunter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. And what is yours? What would be I something think, that you would lend to a young- I think mine is like find something you're passionate about and just be relentless. Yeah. Like be yeah. relentless about it. Like just- and Don't limit your beliefs. Don't limit yourself. Just keep going you know, have your moral compass and your North stars and those will lead you and provide clarity yeah. during like tough times, but find something you're passionate about and just be relentless in following those and things. And you don't need to know all the answers no. right now. No. Something I've discovered totally. is yeah. if you just take action, there's a lot of people that hate where they are and they, they don't know the next step right. and they have to have the perfect right. roadmap. No, right. just take action yeah. and then the action will lead you to your answers. 100%. I've discovered that. And that's the other Thank thing. It's like, get, be comfortable being yeah. uncomfortable, yes. right? Like <laughs> yeah. you're going to be uncomfortable and that's where you learn and grow and you got to breathe into it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I want to, uh, you know, your yeah. organization, the private equity and what you're involved in now, yeah. how large is that organization? It's a pretty big shop, right? It's a, it's only about a hundred people. It's 31 billion AUM and our 14, our 14th fund will be about 5 billion. Yeah. So, so let's, let's say $36 billion AUM in your space, in the private equity space. That's, that's not small numbers. And it was yeah. bootstrapped. Yeah. That was Oxian. Was bootstrapped. Yeah, yeah. This one's got LPs in it. It's got limited partners, but right. Oxian was bootstrapped. Yeah. Still. Yeah. That's a great organization yeah. that from yeah. Xerox father who said that oh, you're going to yeah. be a salesperson yeah. into the pharma space, yeah. into med tech, to where you are today. That is super impressive. Yeah. And same thing with you, Carly, yeah. you're running a national sales organization. So for those of you yeah. who aren't in that space, I, I am as well. That is huge. You know, yeah. a national sales organization, you're working with all different types of locations, markets, different people, stakeholders, right? Sta different stakeholders, personalities. personalities, you got to love people, different regs, <laughs> right? Yeah. Different regulations in different states. It's yeah. a lot for you to handle and, and run. And, and you both have been super impressive. The last question I like to do, because this is about our local business owners yeah. and, and give us two local businesses that, oh. that you guys love. One each. Oh, okay. Oh, warm. We got to oh, get a shout out to Natalie. Warm. Warm. Sorry. Thunder Road. Warm. Thunder Road. <laughs> 
the bottle shop. Borelli's. <laughs> Borelli's. Um, Carmen and Leah. Tom Bailey's. Tom Bailey's. Yeah. All great spots. Like yeah. <laughs> we love all Charlie's. Obviously. We gotta get more. We gotta get Natalie on. I told Natalie, Basil. Natalie, she's got a great story. Yeah, she has a great story. Yeah, she. I, I met her frequently at, at the parties through, yeah. through Basil, and now she worked on set of Friends. Yes. And look at what she built. She built this warm business. Um, we gotta get her story on here. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> well, you guys have been yeah. awesome. You are both absolutely killing it. You're great leaders for all business yeah. owners and all people who want to be entrepreneurs, but also definitely for women and i encourage more women to get on this show don't be intimidated by me or the beard or the flannel like, <laughs> or the cigar or, or the, the bourbon cigar or the bourbon <laughs> we we like to talk shop you guys you know know way more than i do in your space um but we had a great dialogue here and i really appreciate it thank you thank yeah, you so much Ryan. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Awesome. thanks cheers. for having your us your low carb ipa yes. <laughs> cheers cheers, <laughs> cheers. thanks babe